We hear a, really a common theme throughout all the readings today, as, as uh, you know, one might expect, although on, on many Sundays it's, it's more difficult to discern. But clearly the theme of Passover um, you know, is a thread that goes through all of the readings. And we recall then, back at the time of Moses, and back at the time of the Israelites captive in Egypt, right? Remember that, that God sent Moses to Pharaoh, let my people go and all that, and he didn't. Um, and then we have this final, um, this final event, the Passover, so that um, the Lord says he's going to kill every firstborn male, man or beast, um, in all of Egypt. But for the Jews to save themselves, for the, for the Jews to be saved so that the angel of death would pass over their home, the Lord says, I want you to prepare a meal. And this meal will save you from death. You take a lamb, an unblemished lamb, you slaughter it, you consume it, and you put the blood of the lamb on your doorpost, on the lintel of your doorpost, and the angel of death will pass over you. Through this meal, you will be saved. And, and then the Lord says, look, this is going to be a perpetual memorial. You're gonna to continue to celebrate this feast every single year to remember how the Lord your God saved you from death. And so the Jews did, you know, for thousands of 3,000 years. And then the time comes for Jesus to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. And the Passover is supposed to be this kind of meal, as I've just described. But the Lord at the meal does something new. He does something new. And he takes bread. And he says, take and eat, this is my body. And at the end, he takes the wine, take and drink, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And so as he connects this meal, right, this new thing he's done, giving of his body and his blood, as he connects that with the Passover, the apostles knew exactly what he was doing because God said, look, do this, consume this meal, consume this lamb, and through the, through the, the consuming of this meal, you will be saved. Through the shedding of this lamb's blood, you will be saved. And you're going to keep doing this for centuries. And they did. So when Jesus brings this Passover meal to its fulfillment, and then he says, do this in remembrance of me, there's no doubt what he meant. The apostles knew that he was, he was changing what had been given to the Jews some 3,000 years prior, but he was bringing it to a new uh, a new revelation, you know, giving it a, a whole new power. And furthermore, he was identifying himself as the lamb, that he would be the lamb who is slaughtered, whose blood is spilled, whose blood is not spilled on, on the doorpost, but is spilled upon the cross itself. And through the shedding of his blood, indeed, death would pass over all those who believed in his saving message and all those who would consume this saving meal. So the apostles knew full well what they were supposed to do and they did it. We have all of the historical record that clearly demonstrates that right away following the Lord's 
ascension, they continued to celebrate this meal. And not just once a year, but every, every Lord's Day, every Sunday, every Sabbath. So the, the plan of God is very clear. It's not accidental. You know, it's, it's not just sort of, well, you Catholics believe that you have the real presence. Well, in the beginning, there was only us. And for 1,500 years, no one doubted the real presence of Christ. No religion, other religion, existed to do so. You certainly had the Eastern Church and the Western Church, but all believed in a priesthood and a Eucharist. It took 1,500 years until a religion would doubt that Christ was actually present in the Eucharist. But the early church, Jesus Christ himself, mandated that they would eat and drink his blood. He said it, he told them, and then he showed them how to do it. And where he showed them was the Last Supper. They understood very well what he meant, and the teaching was unmistakably clear, that if they consumed this lamb of sacrifice, they would be saved, not from Pharaoh, but saved from their sins. Death would truly pass over all who would receive in faith the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But to make this sacrifice present, just as in the Old Testament, so in the New, the Lord Jesus needed those who would offer sacrifice. For sacrifice does, does not just simply you know, come into being on its own. There must be some activity on our part that, that makes present this sacrifice. And in the Old Testament, he first had Moses. But then the people became so numerous that he had to share this, this ministry with other priests. Other priests. For the priesthood of God was founded 5,000 years ago and came to its fulfillment with the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And when he gave this ministry to his apostles and he said, continue to perform this sacrifice, they clearly understood that to do so, they would also have to hand on this power to other men who would come after them. And so the ministerial priesthood is instituted by Jesus Christ so that sacrifice may continue. If you don't have, if you don't have a priesthood, you don't have a Eucharist. And if you don't have a Eucharist, you don't have priesthood. You must have priests to offer sacrifice. That is the essential thing a priest does. I was trying to think uh, anecdotally here, um, just reflecting today on, on my priesthood and why I became a priest in the first place. Um, you might think, well, did you become a priest because you didn't want to get married? You wanted to avoid women. Well, that, that hasn't worked, number one. But no, no, I very much wanted to get married. Um, well, did... <laughs> Did you, did you want to you know, make that promise of obedience? Did you want to be obedient to another person the rest of your life? <laughs> no, no, I did not. Did you want to have a, have a relatively small salary the rest of your life? No. None of those things attracted me to the priesthood. Um, two things attracted me to the priesthood. The first was a desire to do what Jesus wanted me to do. It's really very simple. For some reason, 
at that stage of my life, around 21 years old, um, I knew that it was just, it was, I knew that if I wanted to be fulfilled the rest of my life, then I ought to do what God wanted me to do. And if I could figure that out, and I knew there wouldn't be a burning bush or any kind of theophany like that, and I knew God wouldn't tell me audibly. I never had any of those experiences like that. Um, through much prayer and through much discernment, it became clear to me that this is what God wanted of me. And so I, I thought, well, that's probably a good career choice. Do what God wants you to do. And so I did. And then the second reason is the Eucharist. It comes back to those two things. I did not get ordained for a bishop or for a particular lifestyle or to escape anything or to none of that. I became a priest because I wanted to do God's will and I wanted to celebrate Mass, the Holy Eucharist. So intrinsic are those two elements, um, priesthood and Eucharist, that they cannot be separated at all. They cannot be uh, untwined, as it were, or pulled apart. A priest must offer sacrifice. He must do it on an altar, and he must do it for God's holy people so that they will be sanctified. Now, the, the final element of today's, of today's liturgy, today's Mass, is what's called the mandatum, the great commandment, the great commandment. Um, and this is exemplified from, from John's Gospel, where he presents the Last Supper, and where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. And what he's connecting that, and what, what, what the gospel writer John is connecting is, is not just that the, the Eucharist exists in sort of a, a vacuum, as it were, or that the Eucharist is given merely for individual personal piety, but that just like God's love, the Eucharist is diffusive, right? Diffusive. Like you throw a rock in a clear pond and the waves ripple. It's diffusive. So God's love is diffusive, and so is the grace and all that we receive in the Holy Eucharist, it's meant to be diffusive. We're meant to go out then and serve. And so as we receive, we are to give. The two are, again, intrinsically connected. We cannot merely receive the Eucharist as though it's just our thing, you know, our personal prayer or piety. It's always meant, the Eucharist is always meant to be put at the service of community, of those in our church and those beyond our church walls. That just as Jesus went out, we too would go out and share what we have received. It's actually not my job to evangelize Williams, Ashfork, and Seligman. That's your job. My job is to teach you. My job is to sanctify you. My job is to keep you in line the best I could. That's practically impossible, as I've learned. <laughs> That's my job. But your job is to go out. This is the particular ministry of the laity, to go out, to preach the good news, to be loving, to share God's love with those in our midst. And so let us be renewed today, not just in our appreciation of God's gift of the priesthood and the Eucharist, but also let us be renewed in our commitment to share what we have received, to go out and spread the good news to all of God's people. Please stand.